Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the center square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's kicked the goal from inside the center Yes, hello and welcome to the SC Playbook podcast for the second last time in 2022, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name's Eddie. Um, I've got a couple of special guests on here. It's been a while between drinks for both of these guys on the podcast, so very excited to have them back. Um, A couple of big things to talk about, both in terms of their own Supercoach performance and a lot of stories around the Supercoach world as well. Uh, SC Bandit on Twitter, SC underscore Bandit, how are you going today? G'day, Eddie. I'm going well, thanks. Yeah, like you said, been a little while since I've been on the podcast. But uh, yeah, like I said before we jumped on, no better time than to get back on when you've had a good week. So looking forward to getting stuck into it. Yeah, me too. And joining us fresh on the back of what was undoubtedly a successful uni exam, I've got uh, Dylan Bolch joining me from what looks like the boot of his car. Dylan, how are you? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Eddie. I've uh, retreated to the car park, so I get a bit of quiet. Um, it was a yeah, pretty noisy in, in campus centre, but yeah, good to go. Got been struck down with the flu, so if I sound a bit bit shit, that's uh, that's why. But yeah, oh, looking it. forward to another um, one. Thanks for joining us today, boys. We've got a lot to talk about, so I want to get straight into it. Um, Bandit, run us through what was what were your weekend like? Um, feels like it was a bit of a monkey off the bat kind of weekend. To uh, talk us through it. Yeah, it was a little bit, yeah. So I scored uh, 2,631 for the week, um, which was uh, 457th overall for, for that round. So nice to get a, uh, a big score out of the way finally. It's only taken me, I think, 20, 22 weeks to get there. But, yeah, nice to uh, get that one away. But, um, yeah, overall still ranked about 16,000-ish. So um, that's not too bad, really. I think I've made up about 10,000 spots in the last um, in the last four weeks or so. So, uh, yeah, pretty good result. Yeah, the power of sticking with it throughout the course of the season, I think, always pick up a few spots at the end of you. Still still into it enough to, to change your team around. What went right for you over the weekend? There must have been a fair few uh, little things that went right. What, what were they? Yeah, I think it was much about what went right as what, um, what sort of, I guess, well, more about what I avoided, I guess. So, um, you know, I don't have, you know, the likes of Tom Stewart um, who, who got tagged. Um, yeah, wins for me. Toby Nankervis was in my side as the top scoring player for the week, so that was a that was a big help. Um, and my man Luke Ryan, he's been a he's been a much more one player in my side right the way through, but he's uh, he's actually coming good at the uh, at the right time for me. So those guys were were huge, um, and obviously Rory Laird as as captain, he's been a, a great option um, over the last few weeks as well. So um, yeah, just didn't really have any guys who who underperformed. So that was um, that was as much of a key as anything. Yeah, that is great to hear. I think both both of us still got stuck with a few of those underperformers. How how did your week go? Firstly, talk us through how what your performance was like. Yeah, definitely under par. So I scored two four four six. Um, I think my overall ranks about seven or eight thousand now. So okay, but but not great. Um, and yeah, as you said, I got I got hit with Tom Stewart forty eight. Uh, yeah. Sean Darcy. That's been a debacle. He scored 59. Um, Bailey Smith I put in a couple of weeks ago when Cornelio was ruled out late. And he only scored 80 again. So, yeah, unfortunately, I had a few of those dud, dud scores. Yeah, it was one of those weeks, wasn't it? I put up 2-4-3-7, which was well under par. Dropped 
54 spots down to 322nd overall, which is a little disappointing after a big week last week. I had Bailey Dale, I had Tom Stewart, I had Will Brody. Um, but the worst mistake I made over the weekend was I had Elijah Holland sitting on the bench, 114. Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a funky time zone over here in Canada. It was late on a Friday night. I wasn't, wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with him. Panicked, looped him on for, for Josh Dunkley. Um, woke up at about 3 a.m. on Saturday morning and saw that Dunkley had put up 155 and I had him sitting on the pine for Hollands um, while Will Brody was syncing it up with 50% game time and about 60 super coach points. So, yeah, cost myself 50 points there just by being a moron. Um, lesson learnt on that. Don't try and place funny buggers with the uh, with the loopholes. Did either of you guys have Hollands when you attempted to, to loop him on? No, I haven't got Hollands, unfortunately. My trades are uh, very, very thin, so I haven't really brought I haven't brought any rookies in really since um since Jai Cully, I think about three or four weeks ago now. But um yeah, that's that that's gotta hurt, Eddie. That's a that's a howler. It's a it's just an unforced error, isn't it? It's a shocker. Um, I don't know what I was thinking in retrospect. Um, just should have played the percentages, but that's all right. You gotta make those moves sometimes. Sometimes they pay off, all of the time they don't. Dylan, who'd you captain on the weekend? Did you have Laird or did you have Oliver? Uh I had Laird. I, I can't remember who my vice captain was, but he, they didn't score all that well, so I relied on Land and, and he backed it up. Uh, yeah, he's been, I think he's the highest averaging player in the game this year, so he's been he's been a star. Absolutely unbelievable. We're going to talk about plans for next year at some point, but I dare say he'll be factoring into a few of our plans. Um, now, boys, you're planning your trades this week, but how well do you know your numbers outside of Supercoach? With interest rates going up at the moment, it might be time to finally trade banks and save yourself a bit of cash. Don't know where to start? Shoot Pat and George Mortgage Choice, all one word, a message on Instagram or give them a call on 02-9521-1611. Mention the SC Playbook podcast and they will take care of the rest. The boys have looked after us all season um, and it's been great. We thank them dearly for that. And yeah, get around them if you need anything to do with um, mortgages or anything of that nature. Uh, I'm not smart enough to think of any other similar words to mortgage, so that's what we'll have to do. Um, into the big topics of the week, boys, we've got a few things to get through. Um, but firstly, I want to round off on something we I've been talking about a fair bit, unfortunately, the last few weeks of this season, and that is injuries. Um, so I want to find out a bit about what you guys know about each of these guys that we've uh, that I've listed. Um, and I want to start with uh, Connor Rosie. Uh, Bandit, have you heard anything about Rosie and what his status is likely to be? Uh, yeah, I saw a little bit from Port Adelaide yesterday. I think they had um, Nathan Bassett or one of their other assistant coaches um, talking to the media yesterday who, from memory, I think said that he'd had a scan and that it had come back relatively fine. So, uh, yeah, he, he should hopefully play this week. But he did look quite limited in the second half of, of that game. They didn't sub him off, but... Um, yeah, he pretty much didn't go into the midfield after 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 half time, I think. Um, and yeah, looked pretty pretty limited with a fair bit of strapping on that knee. So I dare say if he does get up this week, he's probably not going to be at um at one hundred percent. That's disappointing because he has had a fantastic back half of the season. Um, he was one I was going to talk about later as well when it comes to future plans. He's in nine thousand teams, uh, which is more than I thought he would be. But uh, he's had an absolutely cracking last six weeks. Unfortunately, that's sixty seven on the weekend does take away from his um, good form recently. The next one I want to talk about, uh, Dylan, is Nick Vlostone. Um, have you got any intel on what he is tracking with at the moment? Yeah, so the last I heard was that he's in doubt for this week with a rib issue. Um, yeah, so he's touch and go, I think, for the weekend. Okay. <clears throat> he's in nearly 11,000 teams, uh, which is, again, this is a surprising amount. I don't know who's bringing in Nick Vlostone at this point, but uh, he is in doubt for this week. Um, another one that hopefully most people have traded out, um, Adam Trelaw. Um, it sounds like he is going to be potentially okay for this week, Bandit. Have you heard anything? Yeah, I didn't really stay across the, the Bulldogs and Freo games, so um, fingers crossed he'll be okay. The Dogs do need to keep winning, so I think you know if if even if he's at sort of you know eighty five ninety percent, I think he's you know still clearly in their best team. So they're not really yeah. in a position where they can manage guys through through niggles. They're still trying to win and win their way into the top eight. So um, yeah, fingers crossed he'll um he'll get up this week. Now some big some big news that we had come out um, yesterday night, Dylan, around Brody Grundy. Um, what is the latest with him, and can we expect to see him again this season? Nah, so he's he's cooked uh, for the year. Collingwood have put a line through him with the uh, it's his ankle again. I think a stress fracture in his ankle, so he's out, which is not really all that relevant because I don't think anyone would still have him. But Darcy Cameron's one that some some coaches might still have, and it looks like he'll he'll have the uh, the number one ruck role to himself. So he's probably a, a good hold for the last fortnight of the season. Fantastic. Um, Mark Blitzarves, uh, Bennett, he was a little popular defensive option there at some point during this year. 
um, what's he done? And is he he was a late out, wasn't he, um, over the weekend? So is he any chance to come back in this week? Yeah, look, this was I think this was textbook Geelong playing funny buggers with um, with the late changes, which is something they have um, enjoyed doing over the last few years. Look, I think they were just managing a couple of guys. Dangerfield came out of the warm up as well um, in that game, so I think it was just a chance for for those guys to have a bit of a spell and uh, yeah, just tune up before finals. So I'd be um, I'd be expecting Blixarfs to come back in this week. Yeah, love it. Um, one that I that you put into this late that I had forgotten to mention, Bandit was Stephen Cornelio. Um, what is the news with him? And are we are we likely to see him again this week? He obviously had that late withdrawal two weeks ago. Um, he played on the weekend. Uh, what's his status? Yeah, look, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think they just pulled him out the other week just with sort of you know the old general soreness um, type injury. So I think that was just a chance to give him a bit of a spell. Um, yeah, don't don't see why he'd be missing the last two games of the year. Um, the other GWS player on the list was um, Tim Taranto, who reported uh, delayed concussion uh, symptoms. Uh, last Friday before their game. So um, he's in the 12-day protocol, and that means he'll probably likely miss this week as well, um, given that they play on, on Saturday afternoon again. So, um, yeah, a bit of a blow there for Taranto owners. You probably ne- need to look at a trade for, for him. And last one that we need to talk about, um, which has been very relevant over the last few weeks, is George Hewitt. Um, have you got anything for us there, Dylan? Uh, I think it's a play-by-ear one. So... Two weeks ago when he first missed, it was, oh, he'll miss a week and he'll be back next week and he'll be right to go. Then he missed another one. And now I think Michael Voss said during the week, just gone, that, you know, he might be out for the rest of the year. So that's a really hard one to navigate. And I think at this point in time, you just you just give him the flick. Yeah. What do you, what, what's your read on the Hewitt situation, Ben? Are we likely to see him again this season? I mean, Carlton, Carlton have kind of plummeted out of, almost out of finals contention. They're definitely in the, in the mix still, but it's a tough, it's going to be a tough run home. Do you think they bring him back in for either of these last two games? Yeah, they're up against it, aren't they? Just um, they're losing soldiers in in the middle of the ground, unfortunately. With um, with Kennedy and, and Cripps also likely to to be suspended. So um, yeah, look, it's you know backs are a really difficult one. I don't think you'd want to sort of bring it back too early and, and make it worse. So um, you know, I think Carlton have probably have, have come to the realization that this year probably isn't their year in terms of con- contending for a flag. So um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they put him on ice for the rest of the year and um, yeah, get get the preseason into him and hopefully. Yeah, get through 2023 unscathed. Yeah, agreed. I think that, that seems like a reasonable option to take. Um, our second big topic is really the the major topic for this week. Um, it's one that I would guess most coaches at this stage of the year are going to be battling with. Um, it's been big news in the footy world for a number of reasons. Um, it's Patrick Cripps uh, and his two-game suspension. He's in 55% of super coach teams. Um, I don't know what the percentage of the top 10,000 and 1,000 would be, um, but I would guess it's a very high percentage of those teams have Crips um, if they haven't managed to trade him out yet. Firstly, I want to find out um, what you guys thought of the incident, um, the bump on Callum Archie, whether you think it was worth the two games, Dylan. Um, was was that sort of in the range for you? Do you think it was a fine? Do you think it was even a free kick? Um, where do you stand on, on the issue? Uh, I At the time, watching it live, I thought nothing of it. It was just a, a, a big hit. Both players went for the ball. But, yeah, two weeks, it, it felt... If you had asked me a day ago, what does he get? I wouldn't have said two weeks, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was my first thought too. I, You, you just you just don't know these days what they're going to get when it comes to incidents like this. And I guess the problem is that Archie was genuinely hurt and that seems to be a trigger um, for the match review panel to whether they, they add weeks or whether it's just a fine. I think he would have definitely got away with a fine if Archie was okay to go on and could keep playing. Um, the fact that he was hurt really, um, yeah, really crueled Cripps' chances. What do you reckon, Bandit? Where do you stand on it? Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a tough one. I think um, I think head to head contact or head contact in general is a bit of a red flag these days um, when it comes to sort of um, these these big collisions. I agree with um, with Dill um, looking at it live. You know, you think, oh, geez, that's a that's a big hit. You know, Cripps is making a bit of a, a statement, um, and that was and that was certainly at a time in the game where you know Carlton were were uh, were struggling. So he probably did that to try and lift his team a bit. But um, yeah, I think the fact that you know Archie's obviously been concussed. Um, and didn't look in a great way straight afterwards. Um, yeah, that's probably a bit of a giveaway that um, Cripps was always going to be in a, in a bit of strife. So as we go to air, we obviously don't know the result of this as yet, but it sounds like Carlton, well, Carlton are going to take this to the tribunal. They're appealing the two-game suspension. Um, Dylan, you're probably more across the, the tribunal process than most, I guess, being um, being the journalist that you are and being the uh, <laughs> being involved in in that sort of world. You probably know a little bit more how, about how it works. What's your perception on that? Do you think he's any chance of getting off? Um, yeah, what do you reckon? Uh, it's really hard to know until you you hear what 
what Carlton sort of say and how they, they tackle it. It feels like, yeah, I don't know. that if it, it, I can't see going from two to nothing. So worst case scenario, misses a week anyway. So you're going to have to ditch him, I think. Yeah. Bandit, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, the one thing I was sort of um, doing a bit of reading this morning before we jumped on to, to record, and um, there was a kind of similar incident early in the year with really Willie Rioli from West Coast on, on Matt Rail. You guys might remember that. But, um, yeah, Rioli got offered a, a one-game ban for a very, very similar um, incident where he sort of jumped off the ground and, and made contact with, with Rail. Um, the one difference was that Rail bounced basically straight back up and, and wasn't concussed and, and played out the rest of the game. So um, West Coast actually got Rioli off on on that at the tribunal, um, they got that one game ban thrown out. So Carlton might go in with with a replay of that potentially, but you know, obviously the difference between the two incidents is that Archie was was left concussed and and uh, and Raul wasn't. So yeah, I, I'm not sure how Carlton can can get off it potentially, um, especially given the, the head contact. Yeah, I think I think it's safe to assume that he will be missing at least one week, like you said, Dylan. I, I think. What is there? Maybe a 5% chance that he gets it down to zero. It's more likely he gets it down to one. Um, I think the most likely outcome is he gets two. I think either of those scenarios, two or one, is, is a trade out if you've got a trade left. Um, so that, that, leads, that leads us nicely into our next point, which is if you've got a trade or if you've got two trades, um, you have to trade Paddy Cripps. I don't think any of us are in, any, any of us will be in disagreement about that. If you've got the trades left, you have to do it. So the next question becomes, who are you going to do it to? Um, and prior to the podcast, I gave you guys um, three different categories of potential trade-in options that I want for Paddy Cripps. Um, the first one is the consolidator. So it's someone you've been avoiding for whatever reason who's in a lot of teams. Um, and the intention with bring that sort of person in is being to draw level with the teams in ranking spots around you or ensure you're up to scratch with a team you're playing in a, in a head-to-head matchup, for example. Um, so yeah, the criteria for that is uh, this trade-in option needs to be more than 15% ownership. Um, so that's our first category. Uh, we'll, I'll throw it to you first, Dylan. Who have you come up with uh, for this option? Yeah, I've sort of picked out Christian Petraka, Petraka, however you say it. Um, that's what I should probably get right sooner rather than later. <laughs> but uh, he, yeah, I looked at him a few weeks ago when I when I went for Jack Steele in the end and Steele was good, but Steele's last couple of weeks have been pretty bad. So Petraka's probably one that I'll, I'll have a good look at. Um, five hundred and ninety-three grand, but has a five round, a three round average of one hundred and seventeen. So he's hitting form, and with Melbourne, I guess having to fight it out for that top four spot, I think he'll uh, put in another two good weeks. Yep, I love it. That was probably one of the top two or three that I was having a look at. Bandit, you actually already own Christian Petrarca, so I can be, we can be pretty sure that you're probably going to go with a different option here. Uh, who have you got uh, for the consolidator option? Yeah, this, this guy I haven't really been avoiding per se, but the opportunity hasn't really risen for me to, to trade him in. But I think Andrew Brayshaw looks like a really obvious um, trading candidate as well. Um, him and Cripps are less than 2K apart in, in price, so um, he's probably the most the most obvious replacement for me. Um, the other one I did really like at over 20% ownership is um, is actually Jordan Dawson. Um, the Crows play North and, and Port Adelaide in the last two weeks, and he's got really good records against against both of those. So he's definitely someone that I'm, I'm taking a close look at this week as well. Absolutely love it. Um, my option was Jack Steele. I know you just said he's been in pretty average form, uh, Dylan, but they've got a very favourable draw coming home, West Coast this week and then GWS the week after. So um, I do like the look of Jack Steele. I think um, for me, he's probably my um, number one candidate. Um, I'm looking at him very, very closely. Uh, the next category that I wanted to talk to you guys about um, was the what I've called the high ceiling, low floor guys. So you're in desperate need for a quick rankings jump. You're in, you're, let's say, you're coming 11,000th. You want to try and get up into the 10,000 range. You want a point of difference um, or you need a point of difference for a head-to-head matchup you're coming up with um, in the final two weeks of the season. Um, the the criteria for this trade-in option is I need them to be between 5 and 15% ownership. So they're not a super pod, um, but they're someone that's going to give you an edge over the teams in the vicinity around you. Bandit, um, let's go to you first. Who have you found um, that might look like a diamond in the rough here? Yeah, not really a diamond in the rough per se, given his last um, his last five weeks or so. But but Zach Merritt looks like a really obvious candidate at about ten percent um, ownership. Had a had a poor game against the Giants um, last week, but his previous five games prior to that had all been uh, one hundred and thirty three Super Coach points or more, which is uh, obviously absolutely insane. Um, yeah, so if you've got some leftover cash um, available and, and a couple of trades left, maybe then I'll definitely be looking at a, at a Crips to Merit trade. Um, Bombers play their last two games in Melbourne, which I think will, will definitely help as well. Yeah, absolutely. He also plays Port Adelaide, who he put up one thirty against earlier this season. 
Um, and then Richmond, who he has two scores over 135 in his last two against them. So I think that's a very, very handy option. I'm surprised he's only in 10% of teams at this point. I guess he's left his run a little late, which is, uh, yeah, fortuitous for his ownership rankings. Uh, Dylan, who have you found um, in that 5 to 15% range? Yeah, I've sort of gone a little bit speculative with, on the back of the Crips news. So I've picked out Sam Walsh, who's in 14.5% uh, of t- teams at the time of time of this podcast. I think he, you know, he'll have to step up with if Crips is out. Hewitt, we've mentioned, still in doubt as well. So I think a lot will fall into Walsh. And if Kelton are any chance of making the finals, I think he plays a big part in that. What do you think? The, the question I have with Walsh is, um, for this category especially, but also in general, is does he have that ceiling? Like, is he is he the type that's going to be able to get you that 140, 150 range? Or is he more in that 110, 115, that really consistent sort of 30 possessions, maybe a goal, he's in that 110 range? What do you think? Yeah, it's hard to know. I think with if Cripps is there and if Hewitt's there and Kennedy's there, I think he's more that consistent 110, 120 type. Um, but it feels as though if it, it's not going to be him, then who is it? who is it going to be that's generating that sort of spark in the midfield? So... There's not a lot of stats to back this one up, but it's more just a gut feel one. I think he has to have a pretty big two weeks for the Blues. Yeah, I don't, I don't rate it. I don't mind it. Um, Bandit, what do you think? Is, is he that type? <laughs> I do rate it. I don't mind it. What do you think about it? Is he that type of player that can that can explode and get you that that, that little rankings push that you're after? Yeah, I, th- I think potentially with if uh, if Cripps is going to miss along with with Kennedy and Hewitt, as Dill said, you know, if it's not going to be him, then you know who, who is it going to be for? For Carlton, they're, they're pretty thin in the mids um, with those three all potentially missing. So, um, yeah, look, he's, he's not a bad option at all. Um, yeah, I, I really like him. I've gone quite left field for this one. Um, similar to your Dawson pick, uh, your Dawson mentioned just before, I've gone with Tom Liberatore. Uh, he plays GWS and Hawthorne in his last two. Um, he is at 8.7% ownership. Um, he could obviously get that flexibility with be able to swing, swing him forward. He hasn't had the best last month of footy, but um, he does have that really high does have that really high ceiling. Um, and he does he does play. He got two 132s against the Hawks in his last two games. Loves playing GWS. Um, he's one I'm going to be looking at for sure. The last category I wanted to throw to you guys is one I've called "Call Me Crazy," but um, the only thing keeping you interested in Supercoach if you're after one of these guys is trying to hit that one in a million shot with someone who scores 300 plus over the last two weeks. You're just desperate to, to, to find some absolute roughie that's going to storm home over these last two weeks. Um, the criteria I've given you is less than 5% ownership. Um, what have you managed to come up with, Dylan? Um, it's not, probably not as rough as, as it, it should have been. I've picked out Darcy Parrish, who is he's only in 4.4% of teams, which I thought was a little bit strange given his uh, his ball-winning capabilities. But So he's got Port and Richmond in the last two. Earlier in the year, he scored 128 against the Tigers and 142 against Port. So I think he's one that purely just sheer weight of numbers. I don't think he's as damaging a player as as others are. I think he could be one that gets some pretty big scores. We've seen in the past, I joke that he he pulls his finger out during games where he can win an individual medal award. I think he's uh, he's one that could (laughs) probably have a couple of big weeks. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, What have you got for us here, Bandit? I've gone uh, slightly rougher. Um, the one I really like is uh, is Chad Warner from the Swans. Um, I think he'd be a popular player for for next year, but he's probably already had his breakout season in, in 2022. I think he's averaging about 95 or thereabouts for, for the year. But um, the Swans play Collingwood and St Kilda um, on their run into the finals, and I think they'll be winning both of those games. And he looks like a, um, a really nice a really nice pot if you need one, um, as I said, only in about 2.5% of, of teams currently. So, um, yeah. I think he's um, definitely worth a look. I've gone very out of left field here. I love the Chad Warner thing, by the way. He's, he's going to be a star if he's not already. Um, I've gone with uh, Noah Anderson. We've actually mentioned him a few times in this pod um, recently, but I absolutely love him as a player. Uh, he's got the Kangaroos in round 23, which is the real attraction for this pick. He plays Geelong next week, which, um, yeah, it is what it is. But playing the Kangaroos in round 23 could be a massive, massive score coming up for Noah Anderson. Um, that's a few really good options there, boys. The the only other little thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to Crips is um, obviously we're, we're mainly, mostly discussing midfield options here. Um, but would you be tempted to bring in a, a defender midfielder or a forward midfielder just to ensure, let's say you've got one trade left, would you bring in a DPP, like maybe at the expense of a Zach Merritt? Would you bring in a Jordan Dawson just to give you that extra flexibility, Bandit? Yeah, it's definitely on my mind. That was why I um why I mentioned Dawson before, just to have a bit more added flexibility because I'm down to, to one trade um for the rest of the year. So 
Um, if I'm trading Crips, I'll have I'll have none left. So that that is why Dawson's on my on my radar at the moment. Um, it, I think it really just depends on how many trades you've got left and what sort of bench cover you've already got. Um, I think if you if you're in a position to go, you know, gun primo mid to to gun primo mid, then I'd probably prioritize that um, in the first instance. Yeah, I, I asked because I feel like it's quite relevant for my team. I've got Ware and D'Ambrosio sitting at um, at D7 and D8, which is not ideal. So the thought of bringing in an Angus Brayshaw, perhaps, and having that having that deaf mid um, flexibility, because I've got decent midfield cover, uh, it is really attractive. Dylan, is there any pull for you? I, I assume you're – how many trades have you got left? Have you got just the one? Yeah, I've got just the one left. I think I'll just pick one of these gun mids, but um... – it might be like we saw Josh Kennedy on the weekend kick eight goals and score 150 points. If you're really looking for that really, really rough option, picking a key forward who might have a day out. I don't know who, who plays North this week, but I think it's Adelaide. So maybe Taylor Walker's a guy that'll kick six or seven goals and, and go huge if you really want to get fancy. Yeah, Tom Lynch, Tom yeah. Lynch is probably the obvious one, I reckon, there, guys. I think he plays Essendon and then Hawthorne in the last round, potentially, or Hawthorne and then Essendon, I think. So yeah. he's, he's one you yeah. can maybe look at. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, I guess the, the 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 crux of the question being, you probably wouldn't prioritize that flexibility over over the likes of a Zach Merritt, would you, Bandit? Or I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm trying to get some intel here because I, I desperately need to figure out what to do with this last trade, and I, I want to pick the best player, that, which is Zach Merritt, but I also want that flexibility of maybe being able to swing Brayshaw back in defence. What would you do? Yeah, I'll, look. To be honest, I'll probably just go best player available. I think, and that's probably. Um, yeah, between Brayshaw, Angus, uh, Andrew Brayshaw, I should say, and um, and yeah. Jordan Dawson for me. Um, yeah, I, the, I think the the DPP is nice, but I think that's secondary to to actual points generation, which I think is more important at this um, at this time of year. Yep. Okay, that's fair enough. You've sold it for me. I'm going the best available mid. Um, next big topic we want to talk about. Unless you guys got any more thoughts about Paddy Cripps or what to do with the trades. Now let's move on to uh, the state league wrap. Uh, Dylan, this is usually your territory when you're on the podcast, so I'm going to fling it your way again. Um, do you want to briefly run us through who had big games in the resis, uh, whether we might see any bench cover perhaps come back in this week? I know a few people are going to be desperate for a for a midfield come, midfielder to come back in. Um, what have you got for us? Yeah, tricky one this week. It's always hard at this point in time of the year where players get put on ice and then potentially young guys get a taste of it at senior level. I think the biggest story was... Uh, Ben Cunnington returning from um, from his mm. long layoff, so that was that was a nice few a good moment. Um, he's pro- I think he's about five hundred and ninety grand in Supercoach, so probably not going to pick him off the off the back of no footy at all in in a year or whatever it may be. Um, but other than that, like Lockie Hunter was really strong. Uh, Matt Crouch again had a lot of the ball. Liam Shields, these sorts of players, but you're not they're not really Supercoach relevant. Um, I think that from a Supercoach perspective, you're probably looking for a guy that you know a coach or blood in the last one or two rounds just to give them a taste for next season? I think there were a couple that stood out to me from a potentially coverage standpoint. Um, the first one was Robbie McComb, um, who had 18 kicks, 12 handballs, um, seven tackles in the VFL. So he's a chance to come back in for the Bulldogs if you're still holding him on your bench. Um, the other one was Greg Clark, who had 14 kicks, nine handballs, 10 tackles, um, and a, quite a few fantasy points. So he's another potentially one that could come back in if you're desperate um, that could be the one that saves you. And, yeah, Matt Crouch, like you said, is the other one, which means we might might lose one of the Adelaide young guns. Um, is there anyone else in the in the resis that we're missing there, Bandit? No, I don't think so. I think, like you said, um, the guys that are sort of coming in at the moment are probably in the, the lower-ranked teams who are out of contention for finals, and um, those teams are sort of putting their, their more experienced guys on ice for either next year or um, just, yeah, resting them up for the for the preseason. So, yeah, there's no one really jumping off, off the page at me um, that's really super coach relevant, particularly given that we've got so few trades left. Um, yeah, if you're in a position to be trading rookies in at this point in time, then I, uh, I envy you. <laughs> Indeed. Um, the last big topic I want to get to, boys, and I'm going to try and do this with uh, all of our regular podcast guests. Um, you two this week are the lucky few to, to do this first with me, and it's going to be our year in review segment. Um, so I want to, I just want to ask you a few guys about the season that was for you guys when it comes to Supercoach. Um, firstly, Bandit, are you happy with this season? How does this how's this season gone for you? Um, would are you happy with it, or was it does it feel like a bit of a disappointment? Uh, look, short answer, no, I'm not not super happy with it. Um, there's a few things in my starting team that I probably should have um, tweaked or just followed the crowd on a little bit more, um, like not starting Hewitt or, or James Sicily really hurt, um, and probably not holding on to rookies for as long as I perhaps could have was was a bit of a miss as well. 
Um, so yeah, overall a little bit disappointing, but yeah, definitely learned some lessons I think for for next year, which should hopefully uh, ho- hopefully hold me in good stead. How about you, Dylan? How are you feeling in general about what what's the twenty twenty two AFL Supercoach season? Yeah, it feels like I was a little bit reactionary rather than pro- reactive rather than proactive. Is what I'm looking for there. Um, yeah, like it, it just feels like I made points like chasing the pack a little bit. I've, I've notoriously been a little bit conservative with trades and whatnot, um, and I think you had made those split, split second decisions earlier and quicker than it, in terms of points scored. It might have been a little bit better. Yeah, okay, that's an interesting take. I think generally, I generally my my sort of vibe is I need to take a backward step with that sort of stuff than than a forward step. So it's interesting that you say that because um, yeah. yeah, I'm guessing that a lot of coaches would be the opposite in that um, you need to sort of take a step back and realize it's not actually the end of the world to miss out on a not the end of the world to miss out on a George Hewitt or you know one of those guys. So that's an interesting take. I like it. Um, I want to find out your your best trade or your best move for the season, Bandit. Um, what's the one that sticks out above the rest as, as something you really nailed from the start or something you did during the season? Yeah, I th- well, speaking of Hewitt, I think trading Lockie Whitfield to, to George Hewitt prior to, to round three, so before the price changes kicked in, uh, I think was was probably the best trade I made for the year. Um, Hewitt obviously went on a bit of a tear over the first half of the season and um, just continued to turn up week after week and, and Whitfield really really battled through the first half of the year, to be honest, up until, you know, really they, they sacked Leon Cameron. So, um, yeah, that was probably my, my best move for the year, I reckon. Yeah, I love it. Um, that was a great move. That that was one of those ones that um, it really was a 50-50 call between keeping Whitfield and, and going to Hewitt, and you, you definitely made the right call there. Dylan, what, what was yours? Um, it feels like the primos I've brought in more or less have been pretty good. So I've got Sinclair when he'd bottomed out. Um, Bontempelli as well when he got forward status. Sicily Laird, these guys. It feels like most, more often than not, those. Uh, I went for the top end primos and, and they've uh, seemed to deliver. Yeah, I, I, mine was along similar lines. I think I made two really, had two really good rounds of trades. The first one was going Mitch Hinge to Callum Mills prior to round six. Mills put that 214 up. Um, that really springboarded me for the first half of the season. And the second, the second week was bringing in um, Jordan Dawson and Rory Laird in round 10. Um, so I feel like I was quite early on those guys and um, they really paid me back. Jordan Dawson particularly has been an absolute treat to own. I'm, I'm going to find it hard to resist him at D1 or D2 next season. He's just been fantastic. He's such a lovely player. Um, I want to move on to the the not-so-good things, the, the things that kept you awake at night, the things you wish you could go back and do again. Dylan, was there one that was there one that really hurt this season that you feel like could have, if it had gone the other way, it could have made you, you know, 5,000 ranking spots better or something? Yeah, uh, Sean Darcy's the obvious one. He was mm. uh he's been crap with it for want of a bit of word. He's just stunk it up. Um Wits as well. I went and got Wits once gone, went down and I paid like six hundred grand for Wits and I think he's below five hundred now, so that, that didn't really work out. Um they're probably the two the two really bad ones. I I got a few of the rookies wrong mid year as well. I went for Jack Carroll over can't remember who it was, but yeah, guys like Carroll, um who else? Paul Curtis wasn't great as well. No. Jason Clark is another one. So, yeah, Darcy's probably the, the howler, though. Yeah, I, I, I'm, he's going to come up a little bit later, but I think he might be showing up on a few never again lists going forward. Sean Darcy hasn't had the greatest season. Um, Bandit, what about you? What's the what's the one that the one that really hurts deep in your soul? Oh, I think I can. I think I can top Sean Darcy, and that was uh, trading Aaron Hall in in round sixteen, only from the hurt his quad in the first quarter of the game against uh, Geelong. I think he only ended up with fourteen yeah. points that night or something. But that was an yeah. absolute howler. He's on the. He's very much on the never again list for me, particularly with um with his injury history. You just won't be able to trust that his body can hold up for any extended period of time, particularly given that he's over um that he's over thirty years of age. So that was a that was an absolute howler. That was a trade trade in one week, trade out the following week. Um, yeah, and probably the, was... the, next, the next worst one was probably um, not holding on to Nick Dacos for long enough. I traded him out at um, round twelve, um, which you know you do for most rookies when they when they reach their buy. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, he's just gone on a massive tear after that, and um, appreciate another two hundred k, and he's become a, a, D, a you know reasonably reliable D six for a lot of people. So um, yeah, that that one stings a bit as well. Yeah, I, funnily, funnily enough, Ben, it, the both of those things happened to me, both the Hall and the Dacos trades. Um, but they didn't make my they didn't make my top worst tr- um, trade in option of the year. Mine was bringing in Dylan Moore in round eight, and then trading him out before round fifteen. I went, I looked back at this today. He averaged seventy seven in six weeks in my team, 
And in the forty in the fourteen weeks he hasn't been in my team, he's averaged one hundred and four. That's unbelievable. Like literally, the minute I traded him in, he went to shit. And then the minute I traded him back out, he became uh, a premium again. I can't believe it. It's just been horrible. Dylan, what why the hell did what the hell is happening there with Dylan Moore? Oh, who, who knows what's going on at Hawthorne at the moment? No, I think it was um I think it was a case of centre bounce numbers since uh, Chad Wingard went down injured oh, a month and a bit ago. I think probably about the time you traded Moore out, Moore um, sort of taking that wing uh, forward. But he helped. He's a midfield half forward role um, that Wingard tr- traditionally traditionally plays, um, and I think that's why he scored a little bit better. He's not getting stuck in the forward pocket for games on end, and he's getting up the ground a bit. It's been very, very hard to watch. I think the Aaron Hall one was uh, that was very painful, Bandit. That was uh, I was I was very hopeful about the Aaron Hall trade, and I thought that was going to be the one that the one that did it for me to get to the top hundred. But uh, no, it was not to be. Um, but that's all right. We live and we learn. Um, speaking of learnings, I want to I want to find out the one lesson that both of you guys have learned this year that's going to stick with you going into next season because I think it's really important in Supercoach to to take note of your mistakes and take note of things you did well and, and translate them from year to year because there are there are definitely well it is a game of luck there are certainly things that you you can do that make yourself more lucky than others so and what's a lesson that, that you're going to take with you going into 2023. Yeah, I think the main takeaway for me is just hang on to the the good quality rookies for for as long as you can. Um, you know, them losing you know thirty or forty k in the in the short term after a poor score isn't a isn't a bad thing necessarily, provided they've got really good job security. So you know, guys like Dacos, McCartan, Sam DeConing, um, Ben Hobbs, Jacob Were, um, Josh Gibkus from earlier in the year. You know, these sorts of guys um, were all really good rookies, um, and I probably traded them out too early in my team um you know i was probably uh, prioritizing getting to full primo as quickly as i could without sort of balancing that with actually maximizing the cash generation from from those guys so um yeah that's probably the the main lesson i reckon i've learned out of out of this year is just to hang on to those good rookies for as long as you can because um yeah separating the wheat from the chaff we've had some some really good wheat this year but we've also had a lot of chaff as well in the in the rookie section so um yeah it's important to make sure that when you've got a good one you hang on to them for as long as you can do you feel like it's been an extraordinarily good year for rookies? Because I kind of feel like I'm not going to not going to dispute your lesson there, but I also think there would be many years when um, it was the right time to trade out all of those guys that you mentioned, and it was the right decision. I don't think it was necessarily the wrong thing to trade them out. So, do you think it, it is it, this crop is better than others, or, or do you think this is something that you can actually take in every single season? Yeah, it's a good point that you make. Um, yeah, I think it has been for the majority, um, a pretty good rookie season. And we've also had guys like Cornelio, Brody, um, you know, these guys who have been sort of just in the 200K bracket who, let's be honest, weren't really rookies. They were, you know, fallen, fallen primos to an extent or, or guys who hadn't had good opportunity at, at previous clubs. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. We have been a bit blessed with with rookies this year. But, um, yeah, I think that that lesson will be even more important if we do go back to 30 trades next year for, for Supercoach. Um, coaches will need to just hang on to rookies for longer anyway because you won't have the trades to correct um, later in the season when um, you know trades are getting getting quite thin. That is a great point about the uh, going back to thirty trades. I think that it's got to be on the cards, right? I think we're we, you know uh, um, the uh, the cricket are playing in the World Cup. Uh, sorry, in the Commonwealth Games gold medal uh, the morning after testing. Tali McGrath was it who tested positive for COVID and then played the Commonwealth Games uh, World Cup game. Um, I think that shows that the world's starting to move on from. Uh, from COVID being a huge thing, it's going to take you out for weeks on end. So I think we will probably get um, a reduced a reduction in trades next year. So that is a good one, Ben, a good lesson to learn. Um, Dylan, what about you? What's the thing that, that you will stick with for, for next season? Yeah, I think it's just being aggressive. Well, like if, if there's a player there to, to trade out or to trade in, I think a, less thinking more, just put it into action, I think is the big takeaway <laughs> for me, uh, which as you mentioned before, is probably different to a lot of people. I know, especially in the past, I've been pretty big on trading burning through trades, but I got burnt by it a few seasons ago, probably about four or five years ago now. And since then, I've, I've gone into my shell a little bit. So, yeah, not being afraid to pull the trigger, I think, would be my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I love it. I think one thing I'm going to go with is uh, this is my my first season, like really putting some effort into to planning for the buyers and taking them really seriously. Um, and I think that's something that I will definitely be doing going forward. Um, I went from, yeah, about 1300th after round 11 to 406th after round 14. So, basically thirded my um, my rankings purely by having a decent buy plan and making sure that I wasn't fucking my team up completely by, by bringing in the wrong blokes at the wrong time who were going to 
kill me in the bias. So I think that's one I'm going to really take forward. And um, yeah, a lot of you guys on the site, um, Bandit especially, has done some really good stuff in the preseason about buy planning and, and what you can sort of do, what sort of strategies you can use. So um, yeah, I would encourage everyone to check out SC Playbook next season during the preseason because yeah, it helped. I, I can tell you, it really, really helped. Um, anyone, anyone for you guys made their way onto the Never Again list? There's always a couple each year. Um, that, that make their way onto there that you, you're just never going to start with ever again despite what they do in pre-seasons or anything. Um, Dylan, anyone? I know we talked about Sean Darcy. I'm guessing he's on there. Is there anyone else? Yeah, Darcy's probably the only only one really. I think I've got some. Whitfield was on there at the start of the year. Josh Kelly was another one on there at the start of the year. I think outside of those three, um, still pretty open-minded. Oh, Shai Bol- Shai, Shai Bolton's one that burnt me last year. I reckon I put him in when he was averaging about 110 and averaged like 60 from there on in. So he's another one I don't think I'll ever touch. Yeah, I love it. Um, what about you, Bandit? I, I, I kind of, I literally was trying to think about this and I think the only secondhand one I had was Sean Darcy just because I've seen the uh, the pure pain he's been causing people who own him. Um, the only other two would maybe be Jaden Short or Jack Crisp. Um, I can't really see a world in which they're going to they're gonna usurp any of those top six defenders going into next season. I think we've We've seen what they're made of through the midfield, and it's not it's not that good. Um, Banner, anyone else stick, stick out for you? Yeah, I tend to agree on on short and Chris. They're probably just that rung below um, in terms of primos, aren't they? They're sort of that B plus player, but they haven't really come on to that that A plus player that we hoped that they both would uh, in the preseason. But um, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I think there's a couple of guys that we will sort of you know um, retire into the um, never again list, not because they've been poorly performed per se this year, but just because, you know, they're getting older and they and their performance is just naturally declining. So um, Aaron Hall was obviously on there for me, um, getting getting a bit older. Uh, his injury history is no good. Um, but the three others for me were um, Jake Lloyd, Paddy Dangerfield and, and Tom Mitchell. Um, these guys are all... Uh, on the on the never again list for me, but they're also in the Supercoach Hall of Fame. They've been been great players for um for a long period of time now for for Supercoaches. But as we've seen this year, their performances are starting to drop off. Dangerfield's really battled with injury at times this year, so I think it's just obvious now that they're no longer really viable options in in Supercoach. They're still they're still great players to watch, but um, yeah, unfortunately their time as um as Supercoach studs has um has come to an end. So they're on the um the never again list for me. But uh, yeah, thanks for the memories. What, one who's right on the edge who I want to throw at you guys, Travis Boak. Is he on the Never Again list? Would you, would, do you ever see a world where you pick Travis Boak? He's in, he's in like 10% of teams. He's in a lot of teams. Um, would, yeah, he's, would, in is there any world? he's in my team at the moment. <laughs> oh, there you go. So he's not on the list. You, you might pick him up again? Uh, no, I wouldn't pick him up again next year. But uh, look, he hasn't, been, he hasn't been terrible in my team. I think I brought him in sort of three or four weeks ago as a pretty cheap um, M8. And I think he's averaged about 100 since, since then on. Yeah. He's actually been pretty reasonable. So... Um, yeah, he, he's another one that I think heading into 2023, we can um, put up in the Supercoach Hall of Fame and um, yeah, say thanks, but no thanks for next year. <laughs> I love that. On to a more positive, our last little topic for this uh, this little segment. And I want to know who is going to be your first player pick next year? Who's 100% in the team come round one? It can be a rookie. It can be Ashcroft, your boy, Dylan. It can be can be absolutely anybody. Who Who is going to be 100% in your team round one? Bandit, let's start with you. Oh look, if if Rory Laird and, and Clayton Oliver aren't your M one and M two next year, then I think you'll need to delete your team and, and start over. Those two clearly look like the um the go to midfielders for for next year. You'll be you'll be forking out um quite a bit for them, I, I would suspect. But um yeah, they're just they're just perma captain options every week, um and they very rarely have poor scores as we've seen this year. So they're the um the two obvious ones for me. Yeah, I love it. I, I had those both of those two written down. Rory Laird was probably. Close to mine, Jordan Dawson's right up there for me. I absolutely love him. He's been a fantastic, fantastic pickup for for the Crows. I really like him. Um, the other one, Connor Rosie. I, I, I'm really in on Rosie. I think Porter Porter going to be having some tough times in the coming years, and I think he's going to be um, he's going to be one of the guys they lean on really heavily to drag them out of it. Um, yeah, him. I don't want to say his name. Zach Butters is going to be around the mark too. But I think Rosie is one I really like. Now, unfortunately, due to technical issues, we have just lost our good friend Dylan. Um, he wants to let you all know that he will be trading Paddy Cripps for Petrarca um, and that his top sport play of the week uh, is, um, what was his top sport play of the week? Saints at $2.35. So that rounds off the rest of Dylan's segment. That leaves us with the Bandits to talk through the rest of what we've got to get through today. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, Bandit, um, is if you like a punt, I want you to go and check out topsport.com.au. They're the home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. We, we've been pre- previewing their markets throughout the season. Um, if you are linking up your account, use the code SC Playbook. 
um, helps our podcast. 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. So, Bandit, what have you what have you got for us this week um, when it comes to top spot markets? Um, we've had a lot, good last couple of weeks. Um, I think we there's a bit of value coming into this weekend. Um, what have you managed to find for us? Yeah, I, none of the games really took my fancy this week, so I'm actually going for a slightly longer range play, but I like a, uh, a bet on the Bulldogs uh, to make the top eight. They're obviously outside the... Uh, uh, they're obviously outside the top eight at the moment. Um, Carlton's sitting eighth with games to come against Melbourne and Collingwood and with, with Patrick Cripps pretty likely to, to be missing those last two games. I can't see them winning either of those. Um, so the, betting on the Bulldogs at $3.30 to, to make the top eight looks like a, a pretty good play to me. They've got GWS and Hawthorne to finish. So I like uh, I like the Bulldogs to uh, break Carlton's heart and uh, sneak into eighth spot. Uh, you actually wouldn't believe it, Bandit. I went down the exact same route um, and I was having a look last night because like you, I think the Bulldogs are a massive chance to make the top eight still, um, which means their odds for at $101 to win the flag. Uh, they look very, very long to me. Um, I'm not actually sure if Top Sport do cash out. I'm not sure that they do. But if they did and you wanted to hop, out, hop on at $101, um, I think that'll be down to about 20 by the time they make the top eight. Um, and then from there, it's all gravy. So... Yeah, I'm with you. I really like the dog, the dogs to at least make the finals. Um, and I think there's some really, really good value there. Um, last, second last thing before we got to get to today, Ben, it is your plans for this week. Um, we've obviously talked a few, talked a bit about Paddy Cripps trades. Um, what do you think? Where are you leaning currently for Cripps? What are you going to do? Yeah, look, I think probably for me, I'll be going Cripps to Andrew Brayshaw. Uh, he's got games against West Coast and the Giants to finish. So it looks like a pretty good run into into finals. He had a bit of a quieter week uh, last week, Brayshaw. But, uh, yeah, fingers crossed, um, back to Perth this week against West Coast in the uh, in the Derby. Uh, I think he can post a good well score. Well pronounced. Yes, yeah, very, very <laughs> careful not to upset our, uh, our West Australian <laughs> listeners. So, uh, yeah, I think Brayshaw looks like the, the obvious replacement for me. Yeah, I love it. Um, I've already got Brayshaw. Um, I've already got most of the other big guys. I think I'm going to go with Zach Merritt. Um, but Angus Brayshaw is really, really tempting me just because I've got no defensive cover. And if something happened to one of my defenders this week, I'd be, I'd be stuffed. Um, so I'm very, very tempted by Angus Brayshaw for the last two weeks of the season. But I think I'm leaning Zach Merritt at the moment. Um, what about vice-captain and, and captaincy options, Bandit? Where should we be leaning this week? I know there's going to be one very obvious option with uh, the Crows playing North Melbourne. Um, but is there anyone else you can throw at me? Yeah, Lockie Neal in the first game of the round against St Kilda looks like a really obvious option as well. Um, the Saints have used a couple of taggers in in recent weeks in uh, in Windhager and um, Mitch Owens. I think had a bit of a job on on Tom Stewart last week as well, and that was the reason for his poor score. So, um, yeah, one of those guys might might go to Neal potentially, but Neal's an, an absolute class above those guys who are you know let's be honest, they're first and second year players who are just still learning the caper and. Um, Lockie Neal's a season pro, so um, yeah, he'll be my my VC for the week um, in the first game of the round. And uh, yeah, obviously Rory Laird against North Melbourne. Um, not much else needs to be said about that. He'll be um, a lock for the the C if Neil doesn't post a uh, a one hundred and forty plus. It's got to be at least one hundred and forty, doesn't it? What what would you what would Lockie Neal legitimately have to put up for you for you not to take Laird against the Kangaroos? Oh, look, I'd probably take I'd, if it was one hundred and thirty or more. I'd probably take it. Um, I was actually seriously considering VCing Petrarca last week against against Collingwood and and chickened out at the last minute just because there was a bit of a bit of rain around and I wasn't too sure what conditions they'd have at, at the MCG for that game. So I think Petrarca scored one thirty four or one thirty nine or something like that in that game, and that would have been you know had I VC Petrarca, I would have absolutely taken that um, over Laird's score. So um, yeah, yeah, I think one one thirty I think is a fair is a fair mark. I like it. Um, the only other sort of option, though, I think those two are no-brainers. Um, it's going to be hard to turn down either of them. The only other one, and I know he's not been in great form, but Jack McRae against the Giants um, also plays early in the round. He's gone in his last three games against them, 155, 140, 133. Um, so he really, really likes playing GWS. He was the he was really the only other option I could see that um, that maybe even consider going outside of uh, uh, going outside of Neil and, and Laird. That feels like one of the most obvious choices you could possibly have. Um, now, last thing before we get into our listener Q&A, Bandit, um, is we've had a price drop on premium content. So if you want to sign up to SC Playbook for $20, that gets you our entire content library for the 2022 AFL season. As I mentioned earlier, uh, it's been invaluable for me personally, uh, learning from the boys every week. Um, you get, you get stack, access to stacks of extra, extra articles every week, um, as well as entry into our WhatsApp. Um, but if you're not interested in that, don't worry. We've got a heap of free content on the site, SC Playbook. 
www.bbl.com.au. Um, yeah, we're going to keep going for the last two weeks of the season, then it's straight into BBL, um, and then it is into AFL preseason next year, which uh, I'm already getting excited for. Um, so last thing to get to today, Ben, is our listener Q&A. We put up a socials post every Sunday asking for questions from the listeners. We've got a couple of really, really good ones this week, which I'm excited to get your thoughts on. Um, the first one is from Cram Jono. Um, he wants to know, are there any premiums that just have to be traded this week? Now, I'm going to assume for the purpose of his question here that Cram has more than more than one trade, um, and he's asking specifically about Jaden Short. So if you're in a position like Cram, you had two trades, Bandit, um, and you had Crips and you had Short, would you be, is, this the, is this the week that you'd be moving on both of them? Uh, yeah, look, it probably is. Um, I think it's very dependent um, overall on how many trades you have left in your team. So if you've got if you've got two, I don't see any reason why you couldn't pull the trigger. Probably the, the one problem with Short is you need quite a bit of cash in the bank to actually upgrade him to someone decent now because he's only 540k. Um, you know, you can't really do a Crips to Brayshaw, for example, and then do Short to another, you know, gun primo like um, Sam Doherty or something like that just because there's too much of a price difference there. So I think it's very team dependent. Um, but if you've got a bit of cash in reserve and a couple of trades left, um, yeah, I don't see why there's any reason why you couldn't um, punt Jaden Shaw from your team? He's been pretty average over the last five weeks. So um, yeah, if you've got the if you've got the uh, the capability to do it, I'd, I'd probably do it. It's a very similar question coming in from Greg, who wants to know: I'm in a cash league preliminary final this week. My projected score is about a hundred less than my opponent. I have two trades left, and I own Crips. Should I use my second trade to upgrade one of Will Brody, Sean Darcy, or Jack Crisp, or do I save it for next week? So what do you think about that one, Bandit? Yeah, that's a that's a pretty tough one, isn't it? I think it probably depends on who your pod players are, um, or who you who your unique players are compared to your league opponents. So, if you if you look at your unique players and you're confident that they'll outscore his unique players or her unique players, then I reckon I'd probably just use one trade and try and scrape through with you know Brody, Darcy, and, and Crisp in your team. Um, Jack Crisp turned up last week, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be trading him. I'd be looking at either Brody or or Darcy personally. But um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough one, isn't it? Because um, you probably need to nail a, a different VC or C to that opponent as well, just to try and separate yourself a little bit. So I'd probably just look to do Crips to you know a, an absolute gun midfielder, and hopefully they can close the gap for you a little bit, and then hopefully um, hopefully yeah you luck out on a on a VC or C, and they can um, get the job done for you. I think I'd go the other way on that one, Bandit. I think 100 points in projected is a lot a lot to make up. And I think, um, yeah, the like, trading out the likes of, yeah, I agree. I don't think I'd trade Chris out of those three. I think it would be out of Darcy or Brody. But I don't know. Something was up with Brody on the weekend. He only had something like 50% game time. Um, if you mm. can find a way to get rid of him, I think I'd probably be doing it. Um, but, yeah, interested to see how you go with that, Greg. Keep us posted on the socials with uh, with how you go this weekend in your prelim- preliminary final. Um, that's about all we've got time for today, Bandit. Um, thank you so much for your time today and throughout this season. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, hearing you every week and reading your articles and seeing your Twitter work. So thank you for everything you've done for SC Playbook over the season. Might see you again next week. You never know. Um, but if not, then it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. No, pleasure, mate. It's been uh, been great fun. This is the first time I've sort of um, jumped on a, a podcast with, with other people rather than just doing my own written content. So, uh, yeah, hopefully people have, um, have got something out of it. And, um, yeah, look forward to next year. Absolutely. Thanks again for that, mate. We'll speak soon. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidesrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt. Det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.